Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Outside the Sheds. Shedheads, I don't know if I can really convey to you enough on this new episode of Outside the Sheds how excited I am. And if you're a fan of Rugby League, this has got to be one of your favorite times of the year. It's got to fill you with joy. It's got to fill you with excitement. We don't even have to talk about Russia and Ukraine to bring us down. Let's talk about the things that bring us happiness. And and I will tell you, your Shed Adamus is going on just a few hours of sleep because he stayed up till about 10 o'clock this morning, which means he stayed up all night, to watch the kickoff of the NRL season, the All-Stars game. Now, this is not to detract or take away that this isn't the beginning of the rugby league season because the Super League kicks that off every year. And they kicked it off, which we'll go into a little bit later down the track on the 40-20. But I, I, you know, I kind of been going through, I think what all of us have been going through, unless you're, you know, standing out on a golf course in Phoenix right now, acting like nothing's going on in this world. But I kind of go with the standpoint that it's been a tough couple of years for everybody. Uh, I've got people that I love in the medical field. We've gone into my history of, of loss because of disease. So we're all looking for that glimmering sense of hope, that glimmering sense of excitement, the thing that makes us feel normal. And I think the thing that's been really, really strange recently for a lot of us is that the things that normally makes us very, very happy or that it's made us really happy in the past just hasn't had that same effect on all of us. And I'm not saying all of you shedheads, but a lot of us. And the reason I know that is because I felt the same way. Um, and and I'm just being real with you guys. It's It's been a very, very trying period of time if you've tried to follow the science. But life isn't meant to be roses and and chocolate-covered strawberries every day. Because if it was meant to be that way, we'd have more days out of the year than just Valentine's Day. I hope all of you've got your stuff for your significant others to make him or her very, very excited for this upcoming uh, holiday period. But what I'm saying is we have to look for those moments or those timepieces or those hobbies that bring us the most excitement. And if we can't find those, you really need to find somebody that can help you. Now, let's try to bring something to you guys that does bring you excitement because that's why we're together here. This family, the Shed Adamus, this, this, this Shedhead family, we're, we're here together as one for this podcast. And hopefully for the next 45 minutes to an hour or whatever, I can bring you some laughs and some joy and, and, and we'll do this together. But I'm going to tell you where I'm starting my laughter and joy. And that's as we kick this episode off with the 4020. And that's going back to what I just said. It was the kickoff of the NRL season, and that means it's the All-Stars game. And I will tell you, the All-Stars game in the NRL is the best All-Stars game, hands down, of any professional sports league in the world. Not even close. Not even close. And... The reason I can back this up is that you tell me any other all-star game that's played with passion, ferocity, and intensity. And I'll show you the first one. Because the NFL Pro Bowl is a touch football game. The NHL All-Stars game, guys are wrapping their eyes with, with you know, uh, blunt blindfolds and they're only playing three on three four on four, whatever so they're changing kind of what the day-to-day game is being played like the nba all-star game is just a shoot-a-thon and 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 the word defense can't even be spelled with a c or an s if you know what i mean so 
when you look at the big sports, and, and soccer doesn't even really even have an All-Stars game. I guess the MLS does a little bit, but they're still trying to, like I said, work out how they want to do it to make it competitive. The NRL All-Star game did a brilliant move a few years back when they switched it to being the indigenous against the Maori. Because you have two groups of people that are the bloodline of the game that bring it. Because it's not just the game. It's the passion of culture. It's the passion of tribe. So it has a feeling of tribe against tribe. But the cool thing about the All-Star Game is the respect that goes along with this tribes, with the war dances, the hakas, the indigenous war cry dance. It's a beautiful, 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 beautiful thing to see. And if you don't feel passion in your heart watching those two sides come together with their perspective dances to kind of get the teams fired up. And to me, I keep going back to watching Andrew Fafita's face. And I know a lot of that has to do with seeing the great Andrew Fafita back in the game. Um, And I don't think any of us know how dangerous that injury that he took to his throat area and that he thought he might die. So to see Andrew Andrew Fafita slim down back with a jersey on. Uh, and if you get a chance, watch the presentation of his jersey that Lori Daly did a few days ago, uh, breaking down what Andrew had to go through to get back in the game. Uh, it, 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 it is very, very emotional. Uh, I get emotional at that beginning of that game. I, uh, I, I can't, you know, you hear stories of Nico Hines talking about how he found himself and how he found out about his indigenous roots and the pride that he takes from that. And you see young and grown men change from that week of the the teams getting together and learning about cultures. And I, I, it's just a beautiful thing, Shedheads. And I think right now, as a world, we've kind of started to close ourselves up for the learning of new things, Right. We, we've all started to pigeonhole ourselves into one certain segment and, you know, you're only listening to Fox News or you're only listening to CNN or you're only listening to MSNBC. And that gets away from what human beings should be and that should be a group of people, since we're, quote unquote, the smartest creature on the planet, that wants to learn and wants to find out about yourself and find out about where you come from. And so that is the backdrop to this game. So to me, the most important things about all-stars the all-stars game isn't really actually even the game it is the build-up to the game the learning of the game the foundation of the game so i i can't tell you guys how much i love this game and i was listening to jake duke talking on the sideline yesterday for for fox footy and um fox nrl whatever you want to call it and he said he hasn't missed one he hasn't missed an nrl all-stars game and i think that's really really cool uh, you could hear the passion in his voice whenever he was talking, even though I don't know if we've seen Jake Duke. He might have washed down river after the, the torrential downpours of that game last night. But it was a special, special game, and, and I, I love watching the haka. I love watching the indigenous war dance, the war cry, um, the, symboli- the symbolism of the spear and the, and the boomerang. I, it was just it was an awesome, awesome start to that game. So by the time you're ready for kickoff of that game, you're almost winded. You're almost winded going, oh, thank God the game's starting because I don't know how much more I can take. And and I will tell you, 25,000, I guess, were there at the game last night. And they, they stayed because I think they all knew the importance of that game. In torrential rain, the conditions were horrendous. Horrendous. Especially for guys who this is their first professional game of the season, right? But even though there were early miscues by both clubs to start the game because of the the horrible rain and the horrible weather, um, it didn't it didn't lack from a physicality that you just don't see early on in seasons like that. And I was almost. I caught off guard a little bit about how physical these this game started and how physical it continued to go. But one of the things that really kind of made me 
really, I don't want to say apprehensive, but made me kind of, kind of do that a little bit sometimes, was because you don't want these guys to get injured in this game that it affects their entire rest of their season. And knock on wood, thank God we, we, we had just a couple of head knocks, not downplaying the importance of head injury. But we did not have any knees. We didn't have any ACL, you know, any ACLs, any MCLs. We didn't have any um, hamstring situations, no Achilles, which is now the new thing, the new Achilles tears and injuries. We didn't have anything like that. So before, besides a couple of stingers and 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 um, a couple head knocks, everybody got through there pretty much unscathed. Now, going into the game a little bit, one of the, the things I was very interested to see was the the halves combination uh, with Chanel Harris Tavita and Cody Nicarima because we have talked about this in the last couple of episodes how how really up in the air the halves combinations are going to be with the New Zealand Warriors going into this 2022 NRL season. I think everybody expects Sean Johnson. It's been said that Sean Johnson has is, is got one of those halves positions, just like Adam Reynolds has one of the halves positions for the Brisbane Broncos. So that leaves, what, four guys fighting for one position? And so watching Chanel Harris-DeVita, watching Cody Nicarima, really come out of the gate flowing with chemistry was really impressive to see. And the Maori All-Stars really controlled that first quarter. I would say they were the better side easily with that first quarter. But then you have freaks of the game, freaks of sport. And one of the freaks of sport is David Fafita. And when David Fafita got that pass on the wing and took off, broke three tackles, and then you're telling yourself this is a 20-year-old guy, young man, whatever you want to say, and he still looks like a man amongst boys until Jordan Rapana tried to cave his chest in with the shoulder charge. He got a beautiful pass off to Jesse Ramian to give the first try of the game. And watching that play, watching that try, I was blown away about the level of play in those conditions that we got and what these guys were bringing to the game. Nobody was letting off. I'm saying Jordan Rapana's hit on David Fafita is a hit that you normally see in a playoff game when teams are trying to set precedent, trying to set a a, a groove in that game um, to let other te- the other team know that we're going to be here all day and that if you're going to win this game, there's going to be a physical toll to your body and your mind to get that victory. So Jordan Rapana, a guy that you know was in Japanese rugby, who just somehow found his way back to the NRL last year and might have had one of his best seasons, even though the Raiders didn't have one of their best seasons. Jordan Rapana is reborn. I'm saying this guy, who I've always enjoyed watching Jordan Rapana, but the the edge that he played with in that game. I'm saying him and Fafita, right before the end of the first quarter, have a dust-up after a, a failed try attempt that it looked like the indigenous side was going to get in. Um, to make it bigger than just the 4 nothing lead they already had. And Rapana once again came in and inflicted some violence right before the try line. And it started a, a Donnybrook melee where Andrew Fafita was trying to get at Rapana. Rapana's waving by because Andrew Fafita gets sent off for 10 in the bin. And then as Rapana is waving by to him, he gets 10 in the bin for being a catalyst in the whole melee himself. That is something you just don't see in all-star games. You just don't see that type of passion. You don't see that type of energy and excitement. And I will tell you, I I don't know what the season's going to be like. I feel like there's a lot of teams that are at a crossroads. You know, the Melbourne Storm are going to be at a crossroads because they're going to be losing players to the Dolphins. They're going to be losing the Wombat, the Hectic Cheese. Uh, It feels like a changing the guard happening down in Melbourne. But I think that you're feeling that all across the league in different areas. You know, do the Tigers fire match halfway through the season? You know, do the Gold Coast Titans take that big leap that a lot of people are expecting to? How does Adam Reynolds look? There's so many questions being, you know, asked going into the season. But if the intensity that we got from the All-Stars game is any indication of what we're about to experience, I can't tell you how excited I am for this season. And I already told you that I think this season is going to be something very, 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 very special. But uh, 
you know, in the in the second quarter, and that's only the first quarter of the game. In the second quarter of the game, the Maori All-Stars again continue to impose their will with two tries. Um, Nick Arima uh, getting assists from uh, Fisher Harris and, and uh, Joseph Tappany. And then uh, Masters gets a uh, assist from Patrick Ebert. And uh, Patrick Herbert, that was a guy to me, my two standouts of the game, and I'm jumping ahead, but it's my show. Joseph Tappany, Patrick Herbert, Hebert, Herbert, whatever you want to call it, Hebert, my French, Herbert to the people that might live in Louisiana. Anyway, those two shined. So much so that Joseph Tappany, again, I'm ahead of myself, got named the MVP of the game. The Preston Campbell medalist, right? Which, by the way, that's three Maori All-Stars in a row, back to back to back, that have won the award. But to see these guys step their game out, and I know, you know, Joseph Tappany had lifted his game anyway after being named the team captain. So that was just incredible to watch those guys play, you know, and, you know, 10 to 6, they go in a half with the lead, the Maori All-Stars, to come out in the third quarter, and Joseph Tappany, a little bit of foreshadowing with what I just said, another barnstorming run, slamming the ball down, getting a try, giving a 16 to six lead over the indigenous all-stars. Uh, the Maori all-stars, and I have to say, looking at paper, looking at the pregame show um, with Benji and Gordy, which was beautiful. Great to see Hannah Hollis back. But uh, seeing Joseph Toppany do that, and then looking on paper before the game, I would have never thought the Maori all-stars would have won that game. I thought more of the stars were definitely with the indigenous team. I thought more of the speed was with the indigenous team. And the Maori All-Stars, I will say this, to me, outplayed the indigenous All-Stars three out of four quarters in that game. They did. You know, and even though in the fourth quarter, uh, we got to see some of the young stars of the game really start to impose their will with the try in the fourth quarter, Terrell Sloan, the new Dragons gun getting that beautiful kick from Nico Hines to set up the try uh, the, or the a try assist to make the game exciting late because, you know, Josh Adokar almost got in right almost at the buzzer, right at the end. It's Smith knocking the ball out before he could get there. It was a incredible game. It was an incredible game. Um, you know, and then, you know, some things coming out of the game. There were seven Shark players in that game. So you have to think that Coach Fitzgibbon for the Cronulla Sharks has a lot of footage tape now. He needs to scour and go over to see what maybe some of his pairings, his combinations, or maybe if he has new thoughts going forward with this Cronulla Sharks. But Nico Hines played incredible. Um, he's a he's one of those fun ones, Shedheads. Nico Hines, whenever he touches the ball, there's a wild card about the guy that you just don't know what he's going to do. It's not easy to get him off his feet. He doesn't seem like he's the biggest, biggest guy in the world. But he's got that kind of Cameron Munster aspect to him where he just doesn't get knocked down easily. Um, he's definitely taller than Cameron Munster, and he looks a little bit more sleek than even the trimmed-down Cameron Munster. I apologize. But it's he's a fun player. And I think Cronulla got themselves a real steal in getting Nico Hines to join the club. For this coming season. Um, but it, it was an incredible game. If you did not get a chance to see it. Please find it. I know that you can watch it on. Uh, you know. Fox NRL or Fox League. Uh, has the game on there where you can watch it. But uh, an incredible way to start the season. And got me so jazzed. And so pumped up. But congratulations to the Maori All-Stars. Doing what I didn't think they could do. By winning the game 16-10. to Over the Indigenous All-Stars. So, what a kickoff. What a kickoff. And I'm pumped up just talking about it. Now, unfortunately, we are human beings. And unfortunately, in this world, with the positive comes the negative. With the joy comes the sorrow. Um, and we lost two greats of the rugby league world this week. Uh, which it always seems like it happens in, in twos and threes, doesn't it? But the first legend that we lost was Immortal John Raper. Eight premierships with St. George, 
He was a two-time New South Wales Rugby League Player of the Year. 39 tests for Australia, including captaining the 68 World Club winning side. Um, and that was a big loss. That was one that I think a lot of people, the reverberation around the league that that, that we lost, uh, John Raper, was, was really big. He was 82 years old, so he lived a, a nice full life. But you kind of make yourself, you know, when you hear people say that, going, well, wouldn't 83 years even been even more of a full life? But, but you've got to talk about these greats of the game. And, and um, you know, when you see somebody with the accolades and the honors that he had and, you know, winning eight premierships uh, for a club, that is something that you have to talk about and you have to honor uh, greatness when you see it. The other loss we had was Olsen, the big O, Filippani. And that was big. You know, you heard Benji talking about him on the pregame show about the loss of the Big O. But, you know, New Zealand hasn't dominated in rugby league like they have in, in, in rugby union. So big victories for the Kiwis over the Kangaroos are things that are honored and they're really cherished and held close to the heart. But uh, the Big O had 28 tests for New Zealand. 178, 107, excuse me, career games for the Balmain Tigers, the Roosters, and the Bears. But I think a lot of people really kind of point to the Big O's greatness was in the 83 and 86 victories that the Kiwis had over the Kangaroos, where a lot of people, a lot of people say he outplayed the King Wally Lewis in those games. Um, I watched quite a bit of, of highlights and footage of the Big O playing for the Kiwis. Um, and it, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy seeing some of those old highlights of those games. Um, the physicality is is one thing, but just watching these guys play and, and and the game you can't say was as fast, but but the intricacies of how you had to run your offense really was interesting. And um, watching the Big O carving people up was very very was very very cool to see and to watch. So I. I challenge you, Shedheads, to find some great footage of both of these greats to watch them play uh, in in their in their in their prime, in their heyday, and see what they did and what what real um, how do I say that real real additions they had to both St. George, the Kangaroos, and to the Kiwis in their own perspective. So, congratulations to these two greats on incredible careers and and even better lives. For the way they affected people, um, so and the oh and the big O, he passed away at the age of 64. So, like I said, both of these guys had great lives, um, and I think we were all blessed to be able to watch them play um, and to give back to the game that we love so much. Now, moving from the greats, let's talk about the future again. It looks like the NRL preseason is going to be shown. Every single game will be shown on Fox League. Um, and that starts next weekend, the 18th. We got a double header. So, like I said, the the All Star Game is definitely the kickoff of the season. But we definitely have a lot of preseason that we're going to go through to start getting these combinations ready. And it starts in a week time, in a week's time. So I'm pretty excited about that. The old the old Fox League app will be fired up, and I'll be able to see how they're going to now have Mick Ennis and Benji and Cooper Cronk and and uh, Vonnie and, and all of these guys back and how they're all going to fit together and how they're going to set up the bench and the booths and all of that stuff. So really, really excited for that. Now, I told you guys I was going to get back to this, Shedheads. We're going to get back to, you know, even though, like I said, All-Stars game kicked off the NRL season, the Rugby League season, it started on Thursday with the St. Helens-Catlins rematch that a lot of people were excited to see, to see how Dylan Napa, uh, Mitchell Pierce were going to fit in with that Dragon side, a Dragon side that thought they were really darn close with James Maloney and, and, and the boys last year to winning it all. And so what was this Dragons team going to do compared to a St. Helens team who was welcoming in the, one of my favorite players, the great Conrad Harrell, uh, with the team. So... A game that I think a lot of people thought was going to be a really, really competitive match definitely had the fire in it. I'm saying you had a send-off 18 seconds into the match. But 
it didn't really ever transpire that way on paper. Um, St. Helens, Christian Wolf's boys, just pretty much put the Dragons to the sword. Even though the Dragons scored early with a, with a, with a masterful drink water kick, um, try assist from a kick, I should say, they were never really the dominant team. And again, St. Helens shows their dominance. And I, I, I have to admit, I do wish that he was still with the Warriors. I know that's been a long time ago. But but Conrad Harrell, the Her- the Hurricane, is such a fun player to watch. And I think a full year of tutelage under Christian Wolf and playing with these boys at St. Helens that know nothing but victory, I'm scared to see how dangerous the Hurricane is playing come you know, July, August, and then in the playoffs this coming year. Because St. Helens will be there uh, in the playoffs, and they will be easily one of the favorites to once again win another championship. But St. Helens handled the Dragons 28 to 8. Um, and I, you know, I I don't want to say it wasn't even that close, but they they handled the Dragons quite, quite well. Wigan downed Hall KR 24 to 10. Salford took it to the Castleford Tigers 26-16. The Rhinos, Leeds Rhinos, in probably the game of the round, taking on their, their nemesis and rival, the Wigan Warriors. And, excuse me, the, the not the Wigan Warriors. My, my far, the Wire. I, I apologize. The We'll just say the Wire. Okay, you guys all know what that is. But Leeds 20, the Wire. 22 um so that was a a really really good game if you have a chance to watch the highlights of that uh that was whoo that was a that was a game that was a game there was a lot of booze because the wire went in and, and steals it at Leeds. and then we had the welcoming of a new side in the super league toulouse played their first match against the huddersfield giants and huddersfield wins that one 42 to 14 over the new, uh, the the ba- baby Toulouse, who's now being welcomed into the Super League. So, um, right now I'm having a little bit of a problem because I'm doing a transition of my, my television service uh, and I'm missing my Fox Soccer channel to watch a lot of these matches. So, keeping up to date on, on the Super League, I'm, I'm working to get this done. I can't really get the Sky app over here in the old states. But uh, we'll make this happen, and I'm a big, big fan of the Super League, and we'll keep reporting on it, and we're going to get even more detailed as this season goes along. Now, as we transition to On the Mark, I definitely was not expecting this story to come out of the AFL, and it really kind of caught me off guard a little bit because, you know, one of the coolest scenes in one of my favorite shows, and maybe I think the greatest series ever on television was Band of Brothers, was there was a talk between one of the leaders of the sol- you know the soldiers that told the other one that you can't hang out with your men anymore. If you're going to get promoted, you have to have the different you have to have the separation between the leaders hanging out with the people that they lead, right? You know, you can care for them, you can show that you care for them, you can be there for them, but you can't be just pounding beers and hanging out with them. So all of a sudden the story breaks, a really big story Uh, out of Melbourne that Simon Goodwin, the head coach of the Melbourne Demons, is under scrutiny and under fire for bullying tactics um, and some really questionable moves off the field with players in situations. Um, The the, the number one thing that kind of started the upheaval down there was allegedly Goodwin bullied a team doctor over a concussed player. And we know the importance now that the NRL and the AFL are really putting on um, teams and doctors to keep players out of danger when it comes to head knocks or head situations, right? It's it's not even close. It's it's one of the probably the number one thing that both of these team the both of these organizations are talking about. But it's not just NRL, AFL. You know, it's a big talking point in the NFL. Uh, any pretty much sport contact-wise, it is being really talked about. The head is the number one thing that is put under the microscope now and, and, and making sure players have plenty of time to rest, to let that brain 
recover from the injuries. I listened to a really good um, interview with with Bill Romanowski, uh, the player that played for the the, the uh, Raiders and the Broncos. And, and Romo always said that he liked to lead with his head in tackles, which everybody knows you shouldn't do now. But that's what Romo said. He he used his head almost as a weapon when he tackled. And he talked about a horrible story when he knew that his career was probably over because, again, one of those head tackles caused extreme trauma to him where the world was spinning uh, and he played the rest of the game, not saying how injured he was, squinting the whole rest of the game to, so stuff didn't spin as well and that he didn't see lights and all that type of stuff. Very scary stuff. So when you hear about coaches that kind of push away doctors from doing things to keep their their players safe, it really kind of makes you ugh, feel dirty in a lot of ways, right? So hearing that, that's not good. But then you hear these stories that, that, that Simon Goodwin is going to the bar or to the pub, whatever you want to say, and is mixing and drinking with his players and gambling, practicing and gambling with his players as well. Now, this is where that slope becomes not just slippery, but dangerously and treacherous. Because that's the thing that has always scared me, is gambling in the game. Because we have already heard over here in the, about the NFL, about owners, quote-unquote, how should I say, bribing coaches to lose games to get by better draft picks and all this type of stuff, right? Where it becomes very, very sketchy is when gambling's involved. Because that is then conceived as teams throwing matches. And if it's proven that teams are throwing matches, then can you really take somebody's money when the fix was in, right? The fix was in. You, you, you can't control that. And I'm not a big gambling guy. I know we, we, like, we've talked about this over and over and over again. You know, we, we do these picks and we, we play on this, on this platform. But it always scares me because as human beings... We go from betting $5 to $10 to $50 to $100 to $1,000 to your home at times. And it doesn't start off with the home. It starts off with $5. So gambling is something that's, you know, it, it's it's there's a reason it's been illegal for so very, very long. And it still is illegal in a lot of places still. But when you hear about coaches being involved in that, there's a coach that I'll bring up his name right now. Some of you, probably more of the American shedheads. The USA Shedheads will understand this, but there's a manager for baseball named Pete Rose that has not been allowed to get into the Hall of Fame because there's rumors that he gambled, but there's no proof that he didn't gamble on his own team. And that if he did gamble on his own team, did that mean that he ever placed a bet for his team to lose? And I guess you, you can see where I'm going from there. So when this stuff comes up about Simon Goodwin, about gambling and, and, and carousing and drinking with players and, you know, his captain, Max Gaughan, said that he has no problem with any of this and he doesn't know anything about bullying, all that type of stuff. But what do you expect Max to do and what him to say, excuse me, since he's close to his coach? But the AFL may have a real problem on their hands because there was big rumor that when this came out a week before the grand final that there was talk that Simon Goodwin might get canned. And now there's talk that that he may be about ready to get a contract extension from the from the demons. So I think it's kind of funny how things work out and change when when teams win compared to when teams are losing. And I'm not there. I'm not a Melbourne Demon player. Uh, I've never been coached by Simon Goodwin. I never had drinks with Simon Goodwin. So I don't know what he is doing. I don't know what he's been saying, but I know that there's no way the league can allow this to continue to go on at the pace that it's going on without stepping in. And it sounds like that's what they're doing right now. But uh, really, really unique story. Not a story that I was expecting to have to cover, uh, especially when you're talking about a premiership team right there, a team that just got their first flag in years. Uh, now, moving on to players that have stepped aside and moved on. Uh, Richmond Tigers great, Alex Rance. One of the most quirky, but one of the best players the game has seen for years. 
the one eight, number 18 for Richmond, uh, he had been working with the Essendon Bombers. And he is stepping away from working with Essendon to, to, to spend more time with his academy that he has that works on, you know, working with youth. But it is a really kind of a unique situation because Rancy was talking about how this is a good place for him to be so he could start getting ready and to learn the, you know, the most that he possibly could be to be the best coach he possibly could be, right? So I think it's very unique that Rance has stepped away from that job because he's in a very, very safe place. I'm saying, you know, Essendon is run by a couple of ex-Tigers. So, you know, that is that is really kind of strange. Two guys that he's really, really close to uh, that were at Richmond when he was there. So it, it makes you wonder. You know, there had always been rumors. You know, Rance is 32. So, you were, you know, there's been some type of rumblings that maybe he's thinking about a comeback. So I, I don't know what's happening there. But I do think it's a little bit strange, you know, the time period of where we're at that Alex Rance is stepping away from the Essendon Bombers. Good news out of Blues camp. Carlton midfielder Sam Walsh has signed a four-year contract extension. So again, these players are doubling down. They're all coming in. They're all putting their chips in the middle of the table for the Blues. So if you're a Blues fan, you've got to feel really, really... I don't want to say you're going to feel really, really good. I think a lot of us see that the Blues are trending in the right direction. But you can only trend so long without getting results on the field. And they have got to make a push to the eight this year. They've got to make a push to the eight. So um, one of the major ways they can do that is by getting Sam dotted, you know, signed on the dotted line to be showing his investment with this club for the foreseeable future. Now, as we talk about one gentleman's career going and trending and signing a long-term lucrative deal, we come to a player that was getting ready to play his option out with the Gold Coast Suns, a player that really was going to be one of the key catalysts in the Suns pushing their 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 chips to get into the top eight this season, something a lot of people have been hoping and thinking was going to happen a little bit sooner than this. But now news is coming down that Ben King, one of their, I guess, most dangerous players for the Gold Coast Suns, has been lost for the entire 22 se- 2022 season due to ACL injury. And that is... To say crushing is an understatement. Um, this is a player that led in key categories for the Gold Coast Suns. And you just can't lose those type of guys when you need to get over that threshold. You know, I guess at least this happened in the preseason. So they have time to kind of amend and figure out what works best going forward for the club uh, and for the team to be the most successful. But... It's going to be very, very interesting to see how this affects the Gold Coast Suns uh, and if this is a huge, huge, huge hole that their car is going to have to go over and to see if that suspension keeps going uh, and actually bring, springs back up or if all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're you're driving on your engine mounts. So, huge loss. Um, the sad thing about that was Ben King was actually playing going to play out his last year and he was kind of trying to set up his future of where to go so it's going to be interesting to see which teams are interested in still putting uh, money down and 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 putting that contract in front of him to see if he would be interested in coming to their club so hopefully 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 uh ben king can heal up and come back stronger than he has ever been now as we talk about again players we're yo-yoing here shedheads we're yo-yoing let's go into some major signings the West Coast Eagles and the Fremantle Dockers have made and announced two big sign- signings. The Eagles, Elliot Yao, has signed an extension with the club till the end of 2024. And Fremantle's Michael Walters has extended his contract to the end of 2023. So those are, t- those are two big, big signings for both of those clubs going forward to give them, I guess you should say, to make sure that foundation stays sturdy. Uh, and, and to give them hope that these could be two big years coming up for this club. I know that both these clubs have been, I don't want to say rocked by the possibility of players not wanting to you know, play because of uh, you know, getting the jab, uh, getting vaccinated. But this is going to be something that Kaisha would say steadies the ship for both clubs, knowing that they've got guys that are inking and they're ready to give their all for the club uh, for the next 
few years. So congratulations to both of those guys on, on signing those extensions, uh, getting a little security for them and their families, and hopefully to help both of these clubs uh, get to a place that they haven't probably been or where they've wanted to be for a little bit of time. I know the Eagles won not too, too long ago. So that brings to close our On the Mark. Now, as we go into outside the bubble, it's there's quite a few stories that are bu- bouncing around right now that I want to really, really address. And I know outside the bubble has seemed very, very exciting over the last few weeks uh, for you Shedheads, as you know that that's not something we really, really dwell on too, too much. But a lot of stories have happened. And you know the number one story that's happening outside the bubble right now is that, you know, we're a matter of hours away from the Super Bowl kicking off over here in America. And you've got two teams, the Los Angeles Rams, led by Aaron Donald and uh, Brett, I mean, Brett Stafford, uh, Matthew Stafford. Brett Stafford. Brett Stafford was a quarterback for the Texas Longhorns back in the day, which is hilarious that I just said Brett Stafford. But uh, Matthew Stafford, who's also from Texas, he's from Highland Park, which is up in the Dallas area. But against Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and the upstart Cincinnati Bengals. Now, the game will be played at on the Rams stadium, but the thing is, what a lot of people don't understand is it's not going to be a home game for the Rams. Ask the Rams about home games. There were more 49ers fans almost in that crowd than there were Rams fans uh, two weeks ago. So it's not really going to be, I don't think, considered a home game for the Rams, except them knowing the facility, knowing the turf, because most of the fans inside there are not even fans of those two teams. They've come for the party that is the Super Bowl. So yes, there will be some quote-unquote season ticket holders that will be there in the stadium, but it's not going to be like an SEC road game for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, and we see what Joe Burrow did anyway, and Jamar Chase did anyway, in SEC road games. They dominated, right? Especially that magical season that they won their national championship. So when we look at that and we look at these two teams, you look at a dominant defense that the Rams have, and you look at a team that just has no fear offensively especially in the Cincinnati Bengals and and I don't know I've been kind of going back and forth a little bit but taking emotion out because neither one of these are two teams that I follow too, ter- too too terribly much I think for whatever reason the Cincinnati Bengals win the Super Bowl and even though I've met Icky Woods and I can do the Icky Shuffle that is not why I'm picking the Bengals I just think that the Bengals have that guy They have that guy. And if you look at the two quarterbacks, I know Matthew Stafford has one of the most talented, gifted arms anyone's ever seen. But Matthew Stafford has never played in the big game. When he was at Georgia, he never played in the big game. And when he got into somewhat big games, he didn't do the best. And then you've got on the other side, Joe Burrow, a guy that lives with a chip on his shoulder. Hmm, That sounds like somebody I've known about that was an NFL quarterback. But he plays with a chip on his shoulder. He, he plays like he has something to prove. He plays like nobody believes in me, so I'm going to show you how great I am. And you've, you've got a guy that's playing on the big stage year after year after year. I don't know how you bet against the Bengals, personally. I think the Bengals are going to take care of business, and they're going to win this Super Bowl. And it, I think it's going to be an exciting Super Bowl, But the Bengals find a way to win it. So I'm taking the Cincinnati Bengals to be the Super Bowl champions this year. Which is crazy for me to say, even though both of these teams are number four seeds coming into the playoffs. So, take Cincy. I don't even know what the points are. Straight up, take the Bengals. Now, in things that we didn't know were ever going to happen, and I know this affects a lot of, of the Melbourne listeners of the show, but Ben Simmons has finally found his way out of the Philadelphia 76ers. Daryl Morey got his guy. The beard is coming back to a Daryl Morey side. If you didn't know this, Shedheads, Daryl Morey was the, the big wig, the GM for the Houston Rockets. And that is where he fell in love with James Harden, the beard. And now it's going to be Embiid and the beard in Philadelphia together. Now, also part of this deal, and I think this is the part of the deal that I think a lot of people haven't paid attention to as much, but the Brooklyn Nets also got Seth Curry and Andre Drummond and two first-round picks in this deal, too, for Ben Simmons. My problem with Ben Simmons is, besides clamp-down defense on a Kardashian, 
I can't say that this guy, to me, has anywhere closed up to living to the potential that a lot of people thought he was going to be as a player in this league. Is he a freak? Yes. Is his body structure and his size and his length and his ball handling skills freakish to all be in that body and that combination? Yes. But a killer of the game doesn't pass the ball off when your team needs you to score points. And that is what Ben Simmons has done. I think the play that probably cost him his time in Philadelphia was the game recently where in the playoffs last year, he passed the ball even though he had an easy break, go right down the middle, finger roll the ball. If you don't want to dunk, just finger roll the ball in the hoop. And instead, he tried to make a pass. One city that that does not hand, that does not handle that well, that does not go over well, is the city of Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a no-nonsense place. Incredible cheesesteaks I hear. I've never been to Philly. But it's not a place that you go to to show weakness. You don't. Ask Michael Irvin. He still probably got bruising from the batteries they used to put in his snowballs to throw at his head. So, it's probably an incredible thing for Ben Simmons to get out of Philadelphia because I don't think he was ever going to be greeted back on the court the way that I think he wants to be greeted. But I don't think he understands the pressure he's going into now to play with Kevin Durant and the part-time player that's up there too. We won't say his name until he's a full-time player. Kyrie Irving. All right, I'll say it. Uncle Drew. Um, I myself don't know if the Beard can get along with Joel Embiid as well. You, you're talking about two star players. One star player, one player that thinks he's a star already. Playing with clubs, we don't know how they're going to quote-unquote mesh and fit in there. And I think only time is going to tell who's the winner of this trade. I just have a problem with a guy that can't take it upon himself with the skill that he has to take it to the hole. And then I have a problem with a guy like James Harden who has never saw a shot he didn't like and in that case has not shown up at some of the biggest moments for the club when he played for the Houston Rockets. So it, it, it'll be a fascinating thing to watch and I really truthfully can't pick who made the best decision in this case. But it's going to be interesting to play out. It sounds like for sure Harden's going to start playing next week. And we're really not sure about Ben Simmons because he's just been running in a gymnasium uh, by himself and with or with a trainer. So going to be interesting, but it is fascinating. Fascinating. The deal did get done. The heart, Harden the beard is a sixer. And Ben Simmons is a Brooklyn net. Now, you remember last week, Shedheads, I had the big rundown about my feelings about Joe Rogan. And today is UFC 271. Matter of hours, we're going to have the battle, the Tasman battle between Adesanya and Walker Whitaker. Um, I got, you know, you got to stay for me. You got to stay with Adesanya until he actually loses, um, except for, you know, gigantic people that double him in size. I'm still taking Adesanya in that. But to me, almost as big of a story as Adesanya and Whitaker is that somehow Joe Rogan will not be doing the broadcast. The Count, Michael Bisbing, is stepping in for him this week. And that is not... Joe Rogan doesn't show up for small fights. But Joe Rogan has been with every single big fight, especially in the last 15 years. So when, when word broke out that he was not going to be there because of scheduling conflict, it makes you kind of go, let's borrow it. Hmm... Kind of strange, kind of fascinating. Uh, it almost makes it seem like the UFC is trying to stand up for something or stand for something, which I wouldn't say is the greatest organization for me to say stands for too much. But it looks like that's what they're doing. Um, and we'll have to see. We'll have to see what Joe Rogan's uh, future lies with the organization. But it looks like a big decision right now was made uh, that Joe Rogan won't be there to call the matches tonight. So... Hope you guys are all able to sit in front of the TV and to watch the count call the game. And I wouldn't be sorry to see the count there the rest of the time. 
But uh, Adesanya Whitaker should be an incredible match. I'm excited to watch it. Now, this next story is probably going to maybe make a couple of you shedheads upset. We'll have to wait and see. But I have to be honest. And that's one thing that I know, shedheads, you know that you're going to get from your shed Adamas. You're a host of Outside the Sheds, Corey Jackson. Is that I'm going to speak from my heart. I'm going to speak from my belief process. And I'm never going to condemn and throw stuff at you unless you're trying to bring me down my ship. Unless you're going to try to ruin something for all of us because you're hard-headed and you failed science. No, I want to talk about the Olympics. Something that I'm not partaking in. I'm not the most excited about the Olympics. The Olympics really don't do too much for me. I'm not saying that I'm not a patriot because I'm not a patriot. I'm a Jackson. But I will say that when I see stories that aren't fair, I have no problems talking about them. I have no problems calling people hypocrites. I have no problem being the voice of reason, but the voice that shows a little bit of smarts on the situation. So that brings me to two athletes at the Olympics right now. Eileen Gu. And I'm going to probably say that Zhu Yi. Both of these young ladies are born in California. Both of these ladies are definitely Chinese descent. And they both have chosen not to represent the United States in the Olympics, but represent China. Okay. Now, Yi has not had a great, a great time during the figure skating. She's not had a great moments at all at this Olympics of the figure skating. But Eileen has won the gold medal. A gold medal that did not go to the United States, but it went to China. And I think that's where this problem is. The problem is, if both these girls were failures, the media wouldn't care. If both these girls fell on the ice or didn't compete up to the highest of standards, no one would care. But a gold medal went to a country that has a, a rivalry with the United States, and that doesn't sit well with people. But let me ask you a question. Why would two athletes feel this resounding feeling of representing a country that at one time said and, and, and named the coronavirus the Kung Flu? Just asking you a question. If somebody offended you and said something bad about your family or your race, your religion, what you believe in, would you run through the door to represent them? Now, here's the thing. Some people will. Some people have no problems being called a bunch of names, being said, go back to your country, saying all this type of stuff, and just letting that water run down their back like a duck. Didn't get on my skin. Good to go. But some people go, huh, really, the Kung Flu. And they probably hold that to their, hold it deep deep in places that we will never even know. Some of us will. Some of us have been called certain things, probably. Some of us have probably felt ostracized. Some of us probably have felt that maybe things uh, aren't fair. And if that's what you've felt before, I'm sorry you felt that way. But even if you didn't, I think all of us can kind of try to pick. And if you can't try to picture what that would feel like, you might want to look in the mirror. Because you probably are one of the problems. If you can't put yourself in somebody else's shoes to try to relate why they might do something, you've got, you're the problem. They're not the problem, you're the problem. Now, about these two athletes. Another thing that makes this story for you even dirtier is that Jake Chelios, Chris Chelios' son, Chris Chelios, the great hockey player that played for the Chicago Blackhawks, and the Detroit Red Wings, and Jeremy Smith, a goalie, are not Chinese. Heck, Jake Chelios can speak two or three words of Chinese or Mandarin, whatever you want to say, native tongue. But both of these guys are playing for the Chinese national hockey team. 
And there's not been hateful stories written about them. There's not been ridicule of them. There haven't been people that say, stay out of our country, don't come back. Nothing. Nothing at all. So doesn't that sound kind of strange to young, you know, Asian descent women are getting vile threats and stories being written of what about if they give up their U.S. citizenship? But nothing is mentioned about Jake Chelios or Jeremy Smith. And I've always said this. I've said this over and 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 over again. If you're going to be angry about one person you've got to be fair and angry about everybody who does that you can't just pick a two the two people that don't look like you and get pissed off at them and not be mad at everybody because last time i checked jake chelios and jeremy smith did not play for the country they quote unquote are from but the sad part about this is shedheads this has been going on forever Players in soccer have played for other countries that they have to get caps because they're great, great, great grandmother. Don't forget, bringing this back to the world of rugby league. Blake Austin, Jackson Hastings are playing for different countries and they were both born in Australia. I'm just saying it has happened before. And you would hate that this this reason for players get, or, or, or athletes getting vitriol isn't because of how they look. But it sure seems like it. Because no one's ever... Mitchell Moses played for Lebanon in the Rugby League World Cup. No one called Mitchell Moses a traitor to Australia. I'm just saying it's not fair to throw stones at certain groups of people or people that don't look like you because of a decision they made. And hey, I am not a fan of, I'm not here saying that I'm standing and saying this because I'm I'm, I'm a pro-China guy. I'm not. Do I hate China? No, I, I, no, I've never been to China. Does China have a sketchy past and have done some things that I don't, I don't believe in? Yes. But that's not why these these two people chose to represent China in the Olympics. China gave them the best opportunity. And they felt a, a drive to do it. That's their right. That's their right. There were, there were soldiers in World War II that were Americans that went and fought for Germany and Italy against America. That were born in America. And you don't hear any horrible stories or people calling them just horrendous names. They went and fought against the country. Not just did downhill skiing, not didn't do pirouettes on the ice, but fought to kill fellow Americans in World War II to represent Italy and represent Germany. A lot of stories not written about that, but it is a fact. It is true. There's even a scene in Band of Brothers where a soldier is sitting there in his German garb talking to an American soldier saying, what are you doing? It happens. It happens. And then there were also soldiers in World War II that were Japanese of Japanese descent. Their parents are in American camps and they still want to fight for America against Japan. So there's this is this isn't something that's new. It's just something that's not reported fairly and has not been seen fairly. And that's wrong. That's wrong. These young ladies can can represent any country they want to if they're eligible. And they shouldn't be attacked for that. Especially not for people from a country that said the coronavirus was the Kung flu. That's me. You reap what you sow. That's what my coach always told me. You reap what you sow. So, anyway, congratulations to Eileen Gu for winning the gold medal. And I would say good luck to Jake Chelios and Jeremy Smith because you're going to need all the help you need for the ja- for the Chinese uh, hockey team. Uh, because last time I checked, there's still two teams called Canada, Russia, 
and the United States that are out there on the horizon. So, Shedheads, that brings to a close this episode of Outside the Sheds. Your Shed Adamus got a chance to, to do some balancing on that soapbox he calls his words, his principles, and his characterizations. I hope you enjoyed this episode, Shedheads. Definitely reach out to me. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know how you're feeling. If you're mad about the Olympics, go somewhere else because I still haven't watched any. I just talk about principle and character. But until next week, Shedheads, get excited. We've got some preseason next week. We've got the round two of the Super League. Get ready for it. Until next week again, I am your host, Corey Jackson. You've been listening outside the sheds. Stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. Until next week, see ya! And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson, talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about. 